Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Did you feel that it was a culmination of several years of preparation? Did you feel that this was like 25 years coming together or 15 years coming together? Did you feel that it was like something that had built up, built up over a period of time that had finally come to the fore? Over a very long time. How far back you know, did you trace the story? I, in my mind, I traced the story at least over 20 years. Longer than that, because I remember being a teenager and always saying that I wanted to run a, a, a business, a company. But more than anything else, I've always set out to run business based on the lessons that I've had the opportunity to learn, not just for myself, but for companies at, at, at large. So it's been more than 20 years of this journey. Of course, the last seven to eight of them have been in telecommunications, but everything I've done in other industries has also co- contributed to this. So I came into my current job very clear in my mind of how much of the journey needed to inform what I'm doing at Airtel Ghana, and I'm really proud and grateful that it's been recognized in this way, but it is a long, long journey, long, long journey. Talking about the long journey, let me just push this further ahead and ask you if you also feel a sense of responsibility in the sense of so many people looking up to you and you being in, 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 in their minds, the standard, the role model, do you feel that you carry on your shoulders the responsibility of several others who want to also live out their dreams? Not so much the responsibility, but more the privilege. And I, I tell you why I say that. It's a privilege to be able to be someone who can show the way. To uh, uh, what we, you know, Many people have said you're blazing a trail. It's good to show what can be done. But more importantly, I want people to see it more as a stepping stone that says they can go further not catch up with me but actually overtake me because that's how we build it's one of the the, the ways we build a good society i mean we, we, the, the, we talked about seven different pillars but it also means that whatever somebody builds the people who come after them need to uh, strive to build more they should be willing to go further so the respond the privilege is to set a tone and for people to come and say okay i will take that even a step further what's the next step It's hard to define um, a a step in terms of a a professional role. I'm very happy with my role. We're doing amazing things in in Ghana. As you know, we're the fastest growing telecommunications company in Ghana. What I'd like to see for us as a company is to continue to be at at the forefront of Ghana's digital revolution and to really use technology to inform the change, impact, the growth that we need to see in our country. That would be a great next step for me. In, in the course of your 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 your, your po- making your point, you mentioned the good society, and that's our theme for for this series. For every one of the leaders' digest series, we we look for a theme, an anchor, a pivot around which the discussions will revolve. And this one, you've gone for a very audacious theme: the the, the good society. And last week, in our introductory thoughts, you figured to share something very interesting. You talked about the fact that. Initially, I mean, the, the concept of the good society was about yourself, what, what, what you need. But as we've gone on, it has gone on, it has progressed beyond your individual comfort to the, the societal good, the bigger picture. And he suggested that 
everybody wants the good society, just that our definition of it varies. Let me ask you, Lucy, what is your own concept of a good society, one that you will feel happy to be part of? I think a good society is one that meets the needs of every single individual who is a participant in that society. And I think as human beings, some of our needs can be relatively basic, but when they're not met, can be can bring us a lot of pain and discomfort. So I think I agree largely with Yofi that it starts with the individual, but the individual is part of a family unit, is part of a, a, a community unit. If they're grown up, they're probably part of a business unit and so on and so forth. We can expand it out. So the good society has to enable each one of us to thrive to really grow and pursue the purpose that's innately, uniquely ours that we can actually live up to. So when we each individually realize and achieve our potential, the society as a whole is ensuring that we all thrive, we all grow, and we are all making a positive contribution beyond our society and in the, in the case of Ghana making a positive contribution to the world because we all have that responsibility as well that everyone ultimately wants to see a better world but it starts with a good society that can make that contribution based on your definition would you say that we are living that dream we are, are we are we the good society that you would like to see i think there's opportunity for improvement in our society, certainly. There are areas of our day-to-day -day life that we can improve for the good of everyone. And it starts for me from very basic pillars, very basic pillars of showing respect to everyone, um, doing things with high integrity in all areas of our life, Knowing that it, what we do matters, especially if we're going to have a good society that's a well-organized and orderly society that provides the basis for people to thrive consistently. So I think we have work to do there. We, we can explore some of those opportunities for improvement. It's 17 minutes past the hour of 7 o'clock. If you just joined us, my privilege tonight to be hosting the Marketing Woman of the year 2014, the CIMG Marketing Woman of the year 2014. Her name is Lucy Quist and she's the MD of Airtel. She's walking us through her concept of the good society. Let me give her a break to catch her breath while I, I remind you of our commitments for the year 2015. As, as part of our commitment to building the good society, we have challenged the whole of our virtual listenership community to all sign up to five commitments and i'm reminding you of the commitments you made in the beginning of at the beginning of january and i'm going to keep reminding you till the end of december so that they are no longer um new year resolutions but commitments we make that we keep and so lucy we signed up to five of them the first was to read a good book and um, every month that, that's basic isn't it absolutely yes so this and every week i recommend a book either written by ourselves or by somebody else last week i think i talked about the richest man in babylon this week i am recommending the book the lord madiba and the eagle it is one of our books and internationally by far our best selling book i suspect it's because of the the profiling of nelson mandela mm -hmm. and contrasting him with jesus and the eagle very interesting book and my favorite part of the book is the epilogue where it gives a fictional rendition of Jesus, Nelson Mandela, and the Eagle by the Fireside. Very, very interesting. I think I'm, we are serializing it in the Business and Financial Times this week, and that's the part that will be in this week. So find it and read it. You will enjoy it. Second one is to sign up to 
personal development interventions. The third is to sign up for the SMS Academy. And you can be part of our virtual technology network, educational network, just by sending a text from your phone. We'll be talking a bit about technology along the line. But this October, we are continuing to explore words. This time, words that start with D. And today, we are on tip number 72. If you've been following us in this particular series, we've released 72 words and how they can contextualize our success. And the word for today is diligence. When you do something over and over with diligence and application, you master the craft and begin to execute with relative ease. Is it true or false? True, absolutely. So something that starts out as being very difficult, once you apply yourself in doing it over and over, with time it becomes very easy and it looks easier than it really is. It looks easier than it really is and it gives you the opportunity to grow to even more difficult tasks because you've made this one too simple, so you need to go to the next. That's the word for today, and that is diligence. The fourth is to prepare a 20-year plan. And maybe Lucy said her journey to become CIMG Marketing Woman started 20 years ago. So that's your plan. Start planning for your next 20 years. And the final one is to build social equity. How, how important has social equity, friendships, networks been on your journey as a leader, Lucy? You know, you can never underestimate the importance of how people see you. You can be intelligent, you can be smart, you can be good at many things, but ultimately the perception that people have of you is really important. So having a good network, having people who will actually in your absence vouch for you Mm, is mm. very important. And also people tend to think of building a network as being a formal engagement. Let's go out Mm -hmm. for a meeting, Mm -hmm. let's go for a party. I say to people, every single human being you meet is part of your network. And whether you meet them for one minute or for five minutes, you're networking with them because they will walk away with an impression of you. Whether you choose to own it or not, they will walk away with a thought in you. So that network is being built every second of our lives and it's extremely important. I like the part where you mentioned, when you, when you mentioned that there will be a point where people will be discussing you in your absence. It's a reality of life. Whether you believe it or not, there will be times when people will be discussing you for an opportunity and you will not even get a chance to contribute and say, what you are saying is not true. You just have to believe that you've done enough exactly. such that they will speak well for you. Right. And so on this dis- in this discussion on the good society, there are seven mountains of influence that we've been exploring. Business, religion, education, leadership, family, media, and uh, arts and entertainment which are the ones that fascinate you which one fascinates you the most if i pushed you hard if i had number one would have to be religion right why two reasons first is that my christian faith has informed my journey a, a huge deal so that's my number one reason number two reason is that we are a particularly religious society so I'm always intrigued by the role religion plays in our growth, our development, and in our progress, and how we have used it as a tool one way or the other. So these are my top two reasons for picking um, religion. What would be the second choice? The it's second almost like, what do you call it? Computerized placement. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My second choice would, would have to be family. Right. Um, family is such a joy. Family is the the safe haven, the place you go to, the place that gives the foundation, the bedrock, what builds you and sets you up to go out there and live out your purpose and accepts you back when you come back. Can corporate life be very buffeting? 
In what way do you mean? When you talk about a safe haven, I get the impression of somebody who goes out there and sometimes work, can, work f- corporate life can be very demanding and just sometimes you want a place where you can go and be yourself without all the, the tough board meetings and the tough... Is it like yeah. that? Yes, it, it can be like that. So by and large, I try to work in a style where we're a family and we're, and we're you know, happy. and on the corporate front? In the corporate front. Right. I try as much as possible. But work is work and there will be challenging times. There will be tough decisions and tough long meetings. But you can go home and not be CEO and not be any of those other things, but right. just you. And it's, it's a nice, safe place to go. Right. What will be your third choice? That's t- business. It would have to be. I mean, the, the, the whole board of Etta would have descended here if you didn't <laughs> We need the cash. We need to make the cash profits. Cash is very important. Right. So very business. important business. Right. Yes. I'd go for business. That it's interesting that it's your third choice, but I can understand that the, the human being comes before the engagement on the corporate front. And when you get a sound on that place, exactly. you can be more effective as a corporate leader. Would, it, would that be the case? Absolutely. You have to take care of yourself first. And there are many facets to the things you need to take care of. But once you are a sound human being, you can be extremely effective in the business world. And ideally, that's what you want to be. I always say to people, when I'm at work, I am at work. You know, I I really do not spend the time at work thinking about family and all these other things because I am focused at work. But when that is um, over, you need to be able to have that place you go to replenish, recharge, reinvigorate yourself and come back and give your best. So it's very important. You know, every word you throw up is a whole dis- a whole hour-long <laughs> discussion. Now you're leaving me in a position where I don't even know where to start from. But let me throw this at you. If you had a chance to rewrite my script, I've given you seven things and most people say this is it. These are the seven pillars. Business, religion, education, leadership, family, media, arts and entertainment. If you had to rewrite the script. I would I would keep the script but make one small edit. I hope it's not too big. Small. Call it small. And I would add technology. What, why, am I not, I, why am I not surprised? <laughs> 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 why? I think... Where we have reached now in our development, our economic um, development, our development of our good society, we all agree on one thing, I think, which is that we need an acceleration. We need an acceleration of the, the development of the individual, the development of the society, the development of the country. Technology is the tool that we can use to scale up. And what I mean by scale up is reach more people and so accelerate that development. So whatever aspect of the good society you take, if it's religion, you can reach more people through technology. I was, I was going to come straight at you on that and say, listen, you are a technology person. Let's not waste time. Let's go to how technology can push religion and, and, and help build a good society. So you see, you can reach more people. Yes. Help us understand it. So. There's so many channels now, especially with the advent of, of smartphones. I use that as a simple example because it's it's within my realm of telecommunications, but technology obviously goes beyond telecommunications. But with that simple tool today, anyone who has a good message to share can share it with thousands, if not millions of people in real time. And without being physically co-located with the people at that time, they can hear the message and be edified by that message and, and use it positively in that time without even seeing the preacher. Let me give you a couple of examples I found of this particular um, scenario you, descri- you, you describe that are absolutely mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. And so, a couple of years ago, BBC put out a, um, a story of an Anglican priest who had written on this 
at the entrance to his parish, please retweet my message. And it was it was deemed to be very revolutionary because previously, the common message you see at the entrance to a church is put off your phone. <laughs> so this Anglican priest made the headlines and he was interviewed on the BBC and he said to them, very simple, if the gospel is supposed to be preached to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world, I have just 200 people here. I mean, I can't reach them. So if my message is retweeted, the whole world can hear it. And I juxtapose that against somebody I met who, two, two examples, one I know in Maryland who has set up his whole home such that he can literally live stream with surround speakers and the whole family is involved and I think he's probably more involved in the church service than those who are here in Ghana actually actually physically live at the service and I met somebody who was in Italy who said she happened to be in a place where there was really no great church around where she was so her participation in live streaming was not just a technology issue but also a lifestyle because she would actually go and bath dress up and sit behind a computer and lift up your hands when they say lift up your hands and participate fully in the service and guess what when it gets to the offering you pay online <laughs> and I was, I was seeing how technology can change our home it's transformed and it helps me when i travel and i'm not physically in church it's exactly what i use live streaming because you don't want to miss church but you can't physically be there that that day did you did you foresee five years ago that technology would change the world so much no certainly not and i tell you why because Five years ago, we were even excited if when our emails dropped. We were just grateful that I could be far away and the email has arrived on the phone. To be able to predict what we, you know, we, we are experiencing today, probably a few people out there may, may have, but it has completely gone beyond what any of us had have predicted and it is going beyond that because almost every single every single week i go into work and i hear about a new application that's being used to do transformative things every single week i'm keeping up which is the one that has really blown your mind i mean of all these apps you hear about which is the one that really i mean you think about it you're like how dare i mean how could they possibly have taught this one up which think think back has something really caught your attention this year some app something that somebody's done that is really revolutionary I'm still getting my head around it, but I've been particularly taken by Periscope, which I think came up in the first quarter of this year, somewhere in, in March or so. And anyone from my team who's listening will be smiling by now because I go into the meeting, I, I drop the word in the hope that someone will educate me and I walk away and talk like I, I know everything about it. Isn't that what we do? <laughs> but it allows people to live broadcast to anyone who has decided to follow them in that time. You know, automatically. This is a, this is a powerful tool. This is not a tool that says I'm waiting for you to be ready now to log in and say let's talk or let's um, stream. It says once you have decided to follow me, anything I choose to send out, you will receive in real time. We'll be talking a bit more about technology and then re settling down onto the hard questions about the three areas you've chosen: religion family and business. I'm going to ask you some very hard questions. Are we letting ourselves down in these areas? Is religion being what it's supposed to be or we have a nice face out there and we are doing what we are not supposed to be doing when it comes to religion and find out how all of us can become a better version or a new, what, what do they call it in technology? 
the latest version or an improved, <laughs> yes, an improved version, upgrade. Uh, an upgrade <laughs> yes. of our current existence. My guest for tonight on the second edition of Leaders Digest is Lucy Quist, the CIMG Marketing Woman of the Year and the Managing Director of Airtel Ghana. What I'm trying to do is take advantage of all the attention that is on her to help to ask her to help us look at the best of ourselves can we move our lives to the next level should we even dream about becoming better people and in doing that should we not take a second look at ourselves and see really we could have done much better in some of the areas that we are looking at so let's start with religion which is your first choice lucy and let me ask a simple question can religion and you, you mentioned the fact that we tend to be very religious and the argument sometimes is made that it it doesn't really reflect in the overall transformation of our society you talk to individuals and they say look at my life i am a better person and i'm making a difference but i also am asking if the numbers are as big as they see why are we not leveraging the it for building the better society lucy what are your thoughts on that you know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and I, I won't quote the verse because I don't want to get the verse, but if I say it, most people... Today, Sunday. Yes, <laughs> mo- most people know what I, uh, the, the verse I'm referring to. It says, for lack of knowledge, my people perish. Right. So for me, that verse clearly establishes my people. My people are the people who are religious, right? The people who right. go to church. But we need to be informed in our religion we need to seek out what is really in the good book what it actually says so for, for, for the benefit of our listeners who are very studious who want to go and check the original verse it's hosea chapter 4 verse 6 my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge yes. take us home <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of my favorite because first of all it claims that you need to have knowledge right so even if it's even as a religious person you're required to acquire the knowledge first requirement i believe that you need to go beyond acquiring the knowledge and let the knowledge then inform your behavior your choices your thought process your values the how you are as a person has to be reflect a reflection of that knowledge that you have and then when the your the, the how you are as a person is a reflection of your knowledge you will you will give out to people people will see you or you your actions will reflect that religion now unfortunately we are not always able to make that journey from i'm religious i have the knowledge the knowledge informs my behavior therefore i am different in society so we still have an opportunity as a country to transform religion into um a part of our lives that is consistently part of it in all aspects of our life not just in the church not just on sunday not just when we go for a a bible meeting or on tuesday or wednesday night but every aspect whether you're in the boardroom whether you're uh, at lunch break whether you're 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 taking your children to school we have to let that knowledge inform what we do but we need to seek out that knowledge first and i think that's a big big opportunity not just to hear the preacher but to seek out the knowledge for ourselves as individuals let me ask a tougher one would you see that sometimes religion becomes a mass cloak and we don't we are not asking enough questions we are not checking enough for instance we just like in the corporate world you have great companies and you have bad companies that are not living out the right values the right Mm -hmm. choices 
I suspect that in, in, it will be the same in the religious field. Sometimes we, we see on TV certain things that you see, but this ought not to be so. You see, ask yourself, why are people watching somebody go overboard and do some things that have no basis probably in scripture and some are bordering on pro- possibly illegality and nobody's asking the tough questions? Are we not, are we, do we fall short sometimes when it comes to questioning robustly? what we do when it comes to religion yes but i don't think falling short on questioning is purely a religious issue i think it's a cultural issue that has seeped into uh, the religious aspect of our lives culturally we feel that if someone is ahead of us senior to us has a higher position is wealthier than us whatever we see as them as an elevation of them above us means that we think we cannot question them which we need to change. We need, you can question people uh, politely, constructively, respectively, in ways that yield answers that drive us forward. And we need to be able to take that into the church and question what goes on there, not just because someone is the priest, so he's, he's up there and untouchable, but because we've engaged mentally and we're saying, what is going on here? How has questioning helped you become who you are today? Do you like asking, asking questions? A lot. Tough questions? Very tough questions. And you need to be able to l- l- ask tough questions. And you also have to be willing to accept people asking you tough, tough questions. Mm-hmm. So it's not enough to say, I will ask all the tough questions. If you are surrounded, I read a quote a couple of days ago that says that if you surround yourself with people who won't question you, you'll soon be left with people around you who have nothing to say. So you can't have it both ways. The door has to be open. The, the, the access has to be there for people to ask questions. I need to keep asking questions, and people need to keep asking questions of me too. 18 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock, and if you have questions to ask Lucy Quist, I hope that I can open the phone lines for you to ask those questions. But let me go to family. You, you talked about family is that safe haven. But, I mean, sometimes we hear stories about families that break our hearts. This this week, um, this station has been serializing the story of a little boy brutalized by people who were supposed to be showing love and concern, who literally had bent all his fingers. Sometimes you hear stories that, that break your heart and say, is the family unit as as close-knit as it used to be? But but while we are at it, one of the things that, has, that I've, 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 I've struggled with for a while is a story I heard not too long ago when when the um, exam malpractice happened, the widespread exam malpractice, and um, people couldn't come to grips with the fact that it was BEC this time, not university exams or SHS. This was coming down to BEC level. And I had a story about a 15-year-old who told his father boldly, Daddy, I am prepared. I've worked hard enough for this exam, and I can do it by myself without cheating. And he said that because the father had gone to buy exam questions and had brought it to the boy. And he said, I can do it. And the father said, shut up. You will have to do this because if you don't, others will overtake you. Now, it was supposed to be the other way around. The child wanted to go wrong and the parent bringing them to order. When, it's, when it flips like this, do we lose our sense of values and our sense of balance? Yes, we do. You see, family, as I mentioned, is a safe haven, but you need to build that haven on certain values and principles. So it will be that great place because you created it to be that place, not just because it happened as a matter of, you know, chance. 
we have to be able to imbibe in the children of the family, but also even the, the adults, the parents, the the, the, grand, the people who are in that family should be able together to hold each other to a high enough standard every single day in a safe way that says, this is not one of our values. You know, when I was here the last time I talked about excellence, I talked about in- integrity, I talked about um, generosity, you which remember, are values. You them. Because they're real values that I hold very and, dear. And, and they don't change. They don't change. Nice. I really, really, you know, believe in them. And so every single day in my house, I'm being held to them as well, as much as I hold other people to them. And it's the starting it's the starting block maybe the, the second block after t- the individual the next big block is is the family the family unit has to function in a way that develops and grows the individual so they can go and be a reflection of that family unit when they go out are you suggesting that the, the lead the business leaders choices and values are often formed mm-hmm. by the kind of environment in which they grow i am willing to say at least 80 percent wow at least 80 percent because it is what you know and subconsciously the things we know that we we don't think about all the time but they're subconsciously they inform our choices our decisions our behavior our interactions a lot more than we realize sometimes so you will suggest that parents should pay serious attention to growing their children with, with values that can help them shine when they come to the corporate space. One hundred percent. And I'll go I'll go a bit further than that and go back in time and say for especially the young people who are listening, because I know many of you many young people um listen to this. Right. Before I met my husband, before I even dreamt of being married Sud- and having children. Suddenly you're smiling. <laughs> I was thinking about my family. When you're doing that life plan, that 20-year plan, that 15-year plan, that plan that looks into the future, that plan has to include what you want your family to look like. And I don't mean the people and how you know handsome you want them to be or beautiful, but really, how do you want the day-to-day workings of your family to be? And how are your choices today building towards that family you want to create? Because that family will then raise individuals, including yourself, whose work outside of the family will be informed by the functioning of that family. And so crossing the way into business, when the pressures are high and the numbers don't make it or don't seem to match the expectation, agency problems really are, are a, a refined form of corruption. Really, what do you do when the pressure is so high and your values are there, but the numbers are not meeting it? What do you do? You cannot compromise on your values because as a business leader, you always have to have a long-term vision. Long-term vision is what differentiates between the choice you make today for a quick buck that is not sustainable Mm. and the choice you make to say, you know what, this is not aligned to where we want to go and how I want to get there. So I will forego this and accept the short-term pain because in the long term, I know I'm on the right track. It is 13 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. And if you just joined us, this is Leaders Digest, the second edition of Leaders Digest right here on your virtual university. And we are exploring the good society. And my guest, Lucy Quist, the CEO of Etel, and she also is the marketing woman of the year as we try to point to what can we do what's the better version of ourselves and she's been sharing some very amazing thoughts with us but tonight i want to switch and give lucy a minute to catch her breath and bring on somebody who has done some research 
into an aspect that brings all these three together. I have Kathleen Adi on the line. She is a communications consultant. And she looked at some statistics that I found very interesting that suggested that there were 90,000 street children in Accra alone as of 2012. And she's been exploring if the system does not give them an opportunity, hey, don't be surprised that they do what they do. And so in our quest to build a good society, we can't overlook the high percentage of people who never went to school. <coughs> Kathleen, good evening. Good evening. Thanks for joining us on this in this discussion on the good society. Have you been following our discussion with Lucy so far? Oh, I've been following this very interesting discussion with Madame Priest. Right. So, b- before we even go to your, your subject of the, the, the children, wh- which one thing has struck you so strongly from this, this evening's discussion? Well, I think what has struck me most is something that um, she mentioned much earlier that I completely agree with, which is the idea of opportunity for everybody in a society. I would call it a just society rather than a good society because um, for me, is the idea of justice, is the idea of equal opportunity in a society that makes um, all the difference. So, Kathleen, from your definition, would you say that we are an unjust society? Oh, we are a highly unjust society. Highly unjust society. And probably getting worse, which is a sad thing. Let, let, let me zone in on the, the statistic, the, the article that we had a chance to look at and particularly the issue of street children and opportunity. Give us your own perspective on how that dovetails into this discussion of the good society. Well, I think that street children are those left behind. And um, the idea of a society is a group of people living together under common rules with um, fairly equal opportunity for everyone in that society to attain their best, to achieve their best, to be the best that they can be. Now, um, the children on the street have fallen through the net for, for whatever reason. And somehow the opportunities that should be made available to all children has eluded them. Now, when, when, when human beings do not have opportunity, when the, the future is bleak, when they look, you know, and they can't see beyond um, the end of today, they can't see beyond what, what they're selling on the streets to get something to eat today. That They can't see life beyond that. Then <clears throat> it becomes, you know, an unfortunate injustice that they are suffering through no fault of theirs. The greatest resource of any society is the human resource. Yes. And a society that does not go or harness the human resource or put the human resource to good use is, is a society that's... Um, unsustainable. It cannot sustain itself. It will crash. So for me, talk of a good society or a just society as I like to put it, boils down to a society that ensures that equal opportunity for as many people as possible, for everybody in the society, because everyone can um, bring something to the table. Every ha- Everyone has a, a value that they bring to the table that comes together to, to build a society so if you're leaving a, a great group of people behind, then obviously it's not sustainable. Uh, Catherine, before you go, um, why would you think that we are having enough such discussions about the good society? Do you think we have the appetite for building the good society as a people? Well, I think that, I think not. 
I think we are not talking enough about it. When it comes to it, I'm particularly passionate about the children on the street because um, when I'm driving my daughter to school in the morning and I see children her age trying to sell me um, whatever it is that they're selling in the morning, I look at them and I, I, I don't look past them. I look in their eyes and I see in their eyes these are people who could be, you know, future builders of society. There are scientists in there, there are doctors in there, there are great teachers in there, there are great people in there. But all you see on the surface is the rage and the frustration of their daily life. And they are looking at these children in the cars being driven to school. And you can't help but see the resentment. And it's, <laughs> you don't blame them. That's what me. I say to people all the time is that these these children will have to contend with your children that you're building the nice life for, that you're driving to school, that live in the nice neighborhoods. When we are gone, they are going to have to contend with these other ones, you know. So if we do not create opportunities for all the kids so that everybody can bring something to the table and feel like a valuable member of society, we're going to have a problem in the future. Kathleen, I couldn't agree with you more because 15 years ago, I met a I met and befriended a young man who used to sell newspapers to me, and okay. and who we challenged to go back to school and rebuild his life. Next week uh-huh. I'm attending his wedding, and this was somebody uh-huh. who sold newspapers to us constantly in front of the commercial bank on the Lincoln wow. Road, and he went That's back to school, got a uh-huh. degree. He's in the mm-hmm. accounts department in a multinational organization, mm-hmm. living out his life. And next week, I get to attend his wedding, and I'm feeling so proud. To yes, but why was he able to achieve that? Somebody stood up for him. Somebody walked up to him and said, you know what? You are not going to stand on this road forever. I am going to do something that will make a difference. You know, so I see it as a, a, a responsibility beyond an individual responsibility. You understand? Absolutely, and that's why, Kathleen, I will definitely bring you into the studio to pick the issues on this one, and I hope that you will make yourself available for that discussion. Anytime. anytime. Thank you very much, and enjoy the evening. Lucy, wasn't that an interesting perspective to this whole discussion about the good society? A very relevant and, and, and pertinent one as well. And some of the statistics are absolutely scary. We cannot allow ourselves to become immune to what we see because unfortunately as human beings when we see the same thing over and over again we can easily become numb to it because it is what it is we have to always approach the issues with fresh eyes to say how should it be not how is it how and i love the fact that she can look at a, a child on the street and see beyond the thing he's carrying and trying to sell and see a life with potential that's been cut short it takes a certain commitment and a certain passion to be able to see things that way before i come back to you to take us home because we have just a few minutes to go let me remind our listeners that this interview will be on soundcloud.com forward slash legacy dash legacy and tomorrow and so far, what my guest, Lucy Quist, the MD of Airtel and the CIMG Marketing Woman of the Year has been sharing with me. As a good student, I write down notes when my guests come. And so she's talking about a good society, in her opinion, being one in which every individual is a participant and gets to explore their own space and opportunity. And once we all grow, our nation, our continent becomes a better place. She talked about some of the foundational values of society being respect, integrity, and she chose 
her top three out of the seven mountains as religion, family, and business. Religion because of her Christian faith, and she mentioned the fact that we are all very religious as Ghanaians, and then family because it was a safe haven, and business because of the profit. I don't want to add it for her. <laughs> <laughs> she added technology as her own, her own eighth pillar, and she said it can be a tool for accelerated development, and in all the spaces, religion, family, and very importantly in business help you reach more people i can tell you that my family has a whatsapp link and even though they are scattered all around the world every blessed day we are constantly in touch on religion she mentioned that knowledge is very important and without that one we all perish and so are, are going to church or whatever is not enough until we acquire knowledge and allow it to transform our lives very important point she made about questioning and she says Ask hard questions and also open up yourself to questions. She also mentioned that family must have values and principles. And just in case you forgot, last year when she came, she said her three core values were excellence, integrity, and generosity. And she says she's still not forgotten them because they are foundational pillars that do not change. By the way, she said 80% of the values that undergird the choices of corporate executives are formed in their formative years. So don't allow that child of yours to run route because if you do, later in life, when that child is supposed to arise and shine, there will be nothing in the coconut. And we're joined in the past few minutes, and those were my words, <laughs> in the past few minutes by Kathleen Adi, who's a communications consultant, who's been drawing our attention to the fact that the street children are a major constituency we can't overlook. Good evening to Yao Usu Ansa, Reverend Dr. Yao Usu Ansa. This is your 50th birthday weekend, and to enjoy this one, I hope that you found time to enjoy this discussion. And the Reverend John Usu Efriye, you've built a foundation for many people, and I trust that you also have enjoyed this one. Let me, before I go, get the final thoughts of Lucy Quist. Take us home, Lucy. If somebody's listening and wants to be the next big thing in Ghana, what would you tell them? You need to always have a plan that is driven by a vision, a very clear vision. We need to be willing to set ourselves apart and say, I'm okay to go the, the path that many have not trodden. Because to be the big thing, you need to be different to be there. And just be consistent. Don't let the noise of everyday life or, you know, business fluctuations get to you stay focused on your plan and to our wider audience who who may not not everybody wants to be the next big thing but everybody wants self-actualization and and to be the best they can be as an indiv individual i i say that as a nation we are not our resources we are not um the gold the oil all these wonderful things god has blessed us with they're, they're tools they're things we should use we are our people and our people need a good society. So let's work together and create that for them, for the people that we are who are Ghana. Lucy, I've enjoyed this discussion with you. And I can tell you my one big takeaway from this discussion. Two things, if I may add a bonus one. One of which is the fact that the values you gave last year still remain the pivot around which your life revolves. But my one big thing that I've learned from you tonight ask hard questions and very importantly also open up yourself to questions let me say good evening to my friends at Airtel Richard and Leila from the communications department working very hard behind the scenes to support their MD but to all of you listening out there next week who comes next week Matthew Uncle James Mr. White 
She will be here next week. It's, it's going to be explosive right here on Leaders Digest. Thank you all for listening, and let's keep building the good society. My name is Reverend Albert Okran. God bless you. God bless you, and God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-2499-99000. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. The light has come